0: Jesus is God, and we're not asking you to change your belief system before you attend our church. We're simply inviting you on a journey toward Jesus. For years, churches have placed a high priority on Jesus as the get out of hell free card. At our church, we place the highest priority on Jesus as a live life to the fullest invitation. At our church, we believe every person has a dream deep inside their hearts and that God put that dream there, not for our glory, but for His. At our church, we're not concerned with where you've been, but where you're going. At our church, we believe that the Bible is God's word. It is real. It is living. It is active. We believe that people who don't go to church anywhere are not the enemy. They are real people who need the perfect love that only God can give. And we believe that God gives this love through, of all people, us. At our church, we do not and we will not display a holier-than-thou attitude toward anyone. We are all broken people, but he is putting us back together. And finally, and most importantly, at our church, we believe that Jesus really lived, that he really died on the cross, and that he really rose again on the third day. And we cannot and we will not candy coat or water down that message ever. Today, you've chosen to sit yourself in the middle of a very safe place to hear a potentially dangerous message. Welcome to our church.
1: I was told there was another video. I guess there isn't another video. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. So everyone has survived the snowy... Yeah, the snowpocalypse. It was the March revenge. It was, you know, winter doesn't want to let go. It's got mommy issues, whatever, whatever it is. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just another typical Rochester weather. But, hey, guys, regardless of what it's doing outside, we still can worship God together. Amen? I think I think there's some people here. So we're going to worship God. And if you guys would like to join us, you can sit there and sing with us or you can stand and join us. So whatever, whatever helps, whatever pulls your boat there. So, amen. Let's get going.
2: You paint the nights
3: You count the stars And and you call call them by name The skies from the rain God you reign Your glory shines
2: You teach the sun When to you
3: reign.
2: God, you reign. God, you reign. Forever and ever. God, you reign. My song remains God, you reign
3: You my life You know my heart And you call me by name I
2: live to say, God, you reign God, you reign You
3: reign
2: forever and ever. God, you
3: reign.
2: And God, you reign. God, you
3: reign.
2: God you, reign.
3: you reign
2: forever and ever. you see. Hold my every moment You calm my raging seas You walk with me through fire And heal all my disease I trust in you I trust I believe that you're my healer. I believe that you are all I need. And I believe that you're my portion. And I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I
3: need.
2: You're more than enough for me. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you you hold my world in your hands nothing is impossible for you nothing is impossible nothing is impossible for you you hold my world in your hands nothing is impossible Nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible for you. You hold the world in your hands, and I believe that you're my healer, and I believe you are alive. Yes, you are. And I believe that you're my portion. And I believe
3: you're more than enough for me.
2: Because, Jesus, you're all I need. You're more than enough for me. Because, Jesus, you're all I need. You're all I need. You're all I need, though. my
3: heart
2: taking me over taking me over and all I want is to be with you forever with you forever so pull me a little closer take me a little deeper i want to know your heart i want to know your heart
3: because your
2: love is so much sweeter than anything that i've tasted i want to know your heart i want to know your heart your love has ravished my heart taken me over Taking me over, and all I want is to be with you forever, with you forever. So pull me a little closer, take me a little deeper. I want to know your heart, I want to know your heart. Your love is so much sweeter than anything that I've tasted. I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart. Is for me whoa whoa how great is your love whoa whoa how great your love is for me whoa whoa how great is your love whoa, whoa, how great your love is Love. So pull me a little closer, and take me a little deeper. I want to know your heart, I want to know your heart. Because your love is so much sweeter than anything that I've tasted. I want to know your heart, I want to know your heart. Focus we have, Lord, is just to know your heart.
3: know you though.
2: Take me a little deeper, I want to know your
3: heart,
2: I want to know your heart, because your love is so much sweeter than anything that I've tasted. You called my name, I reached out your hand for my life, and I was redeemed the moment you answered my life. An amazing grace, Christ gave that life was
3: changed
2: when from my shoulders I felt the weight of my
3: sin
2: with everything I am I reach out for your hand the hope for change a second chance I've on you I throw my life is a sight how could greater love than this ever possibly
3: exist
2: consume my thoughts as I rest in you I now in love with a saviour bearing the marks of his love So it's with everything I am, I reach out for your hand, the hope for change, the second chance I've gained. On you I throw my life, casting all my fears aside, how could greater love than this ever possibly exist? now with my hands released to you where a little faith's enough to see mountains lift and move so i wait upon you now dedicated to your will to this love that will remain a love that never so i wait upon you now with my hands released to you where a little faith's enough to see mountains lift and move, so I wait upon you now, dedicated to your will. Will a love that will remain, a love that never fails So it's with everything I am, I reach out for your hand. The hope for change, the second chance I've gained. On you I throw my life, casting all my fears aside. How can greater love than this ever possibly exist? no greater love It's with everything I am I reach out for your hand The hope for change The second chance I have gained On you I knew I'd throw my life Casting all my fears aside How can greater love than this Ever possibly exist
1: good morning everybody hey we've got uh We've got at least four happy birthdays in the room today, so Marcia is 45 today, so fantastic for, if you want to wish her a happy birthday, Um, right around 45, right? Close, right? Uh, It's Charity's birthday today, it is Nathaniel's birthday today, and it is Jessica's birthday. Anybody else in the room have a birthday today? No, Josh, it's not your birthday today, no. <clears throat> so, so, we had a, a party at our house last night. Um, actually, it was like almost all day yesterday. Um, so, th- this group of kids comes over at 2 o'clock or, or around there, and I'm like, what are we going to do? You know how when you have little kid parties, you, you plan out the whole time, and, and it's all you can do to just cover two hours, and then you're just thrilled when the parents finally show up and take them away? This thing just kept going and going and going, and it's after midnight, and I'm like, what time are your friends leaving? (laughs) And she goes, Dad, I'm an adult now. (laughs) Okay. So for our party game, our party activity, we built an igloo. Uh, This is a, a tradition that we have in our family. Whenever there's enough snow is to build an igloo, and it's really a lot of fun, and it's become more fun as my kids have gotten bigger and able to do more. Because I would start the project when they were little, and after about an hour, Dad's still out there for another four or five, because I can't leave something undone. And so what would normally be an all-day activity, literally six hours or more to get an igloo together, it's not difficult, it just takes a long time with Charity having all of her friends there, they were a machine. I was simply the architect building the blocks. They are creating the blocks, stacking them up for me. I know, it was awesome. One of her friends is like, oh, master architect, here is your next block. I was like, yes! What does this have to do with anything, right? Where is he going with this? Um, But I I I was so blessed to see that within less than a two-hour time frame, something that normally took me six or more, this really cool structure was was completed. And seven or eight kids were inside at the same time. So it was a good size igloo. And at the same time, you could climb up and stand on top of this thing. It's that solid. And it just reminded me of the scripture in Corinthians. It talks about the body of Christ. And as we're going getting ready to to take communion, yeah. we often share the idea that we're not supposed to do this alone. It's, it's something that Jesus said, come and do together. Uh, because he, the scripture over and over again is pounding that idea that we're supposed to be a body, that we're supposed to be a group, and that as a group we function better when we do things together. God has not called any one of you, any one of us, to go through life alone. That we accomplish more, that we function better when we work together as the body of Christ. Um, let me just read that, that portion from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, For the body does not consist of one part but many. If the foot was to say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make, any, any le- it, would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less the part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear where would where would the sense of smell be uh, and I just want to encourage us this morning as we're preparing for communion, and I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord or in your connection with church, but that God has not made you to do it alone, and that there is there is a level of joy and strength and encouragement that comes. When you can be part of the body. Uh, It it was so fun for me yesterday to have this group of kids all working together. It was way more, it was the most fun igloo build I've ever had. Um, But I know that that's the same kind of thing that God has for us. That when we start working together as the body of Christ to accomplish God's plan and purpose in this area, that that there's going to be a greater joy and a greater uh, excitement in your own life. And I just wanted to challenge you with that this morning. So if you're, if you're with us this morning um, as a guest or, or fairly new, there should be cards on all the table called a connection card. Rob, can you hand me that one? All right, looks like this. We would like to have you fill that out uh, because we'd like to send you a thank you for being here with us. But also, if you have a prayer need, we take these to our staff meeting each week. Um, Rob and I will pray over these things. If you've got a prayer need, please put that on here. Uh, I just want to be able to connect with you in that way. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward, and we have two different stations where you're going to come up and you're going to grab a piece of bread and you're going to dip it into the cup. It's a, it's a form of communion called intinction. And then, like I said already, we do not want people to take communion alone. We are a body. We are a group. Um, and so when you come Don't don't quick dip it and put it in your mouth. Take that back to your seat. You'll start to see groups forming around the room. We want to invite you to join into one of those groups. If you are alone, please feel free to step into one. If you see somebody alone, please feel free to invite them to join you um, so that we can have time doing this together. The Scripture teaches us that Jesus was having the Passover meal with his disciples, and he took bread and he broke it, and he told them, this bread that I'm breaking right now, it represents my body that's about to be broken for you. And then it says in the same way he, he took the cup of wine, of juice, and he said, and this represents my, my blood that will be spilled for you for the remission of your sins. And he goes on further and he says to his disciples, as often as you have the chance to do this, breaking bread, And taking juice, I want you to do it and to do it in remembrance of me. And so we are obedient to that at LifeQuest. As often as we get the chance, for example, this morning, we're going to do that. Uh, We're going to take the broken bread representing Christ's body, and we're going to dip that in the juice that represents his spilled blood for us. And we're going to take it in remembrance of what he's done for us. So let's pray, and then uh, we'll invite you to come forward. Jesus, we just want to thank you this morning for the body that you've given us, for this local expression of your body here at LifeQuest. And, Lord, that you've designed us not to do life alone, that we work together to accomplish your plan and purpose. Lord, we pray your blessing upon the bread that represents your body and the juice that represents your spilled blood. We do this in obedience, Lord, and in remembrance of your sacrifice for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The tables are open.
4: So last week we told you that we were going to be uh, having a special announcement this morning. And so I'm glad that you showed up for the, for the special announcement. Um, and uh, we're really excited. We're, we want to do something different this year for Easter. And so this Easter Sunday, we are going to have, prior to our worship experience, a churchwide pancake breakfast. Yeah, right? Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, so the breakfast will be from 9 to 10, and then worship will be the same time, 10 to 1130. And then in addition to having a pancake breakfast, during the pancake breakfast and after worship, we're going to have a, a special uh Easter family photo booth set up in the gym so that you can go have your picture taken and uh, if you it will take the picture and we'll email it to you and you can do whatever you want with it. If you want prints made, the photographer that's coming to help my wife do it, you can order prints through her if you'd like to have uh, a print of your Easter family photo. Uh, so just want to give you a heads up for that that uh, we'll have an opportunity for family photos on Easter Sunday and a pancake breakfast at 9 o'clock. All right? Um, Just, again, a heads up because it's, like, I I keep saying happy birthday because there's, like, so many birthdays to celebrate today. Uh, The membership class that was supposed to be uh, this afternoon immediately after service and then our leadership class that's tonight is being postponed Uh, because I should have known when I looked at the calendar that today was my kid's birthday and not scheduled two meetings on my kid's birthday. Uh, So we are not having a membership class. We're going to have it next Sunday. And then our weekly leadership class is also pushed back until next week so that our families can have just our family today, right? That's good. Uh, Lots of other things are in the bulletin. Uh, Check out our church website, lifequest.cc, and you can go to the calendar link to see things that are coming up. Uh, please make sure that you do that. And uh, before we jump into next our – next Saturday is a work day at the gate. You did remember something for announcements. Awesome. So next Saturday, if you are available uh, – I know – are we working tomorrow at the gate? Um, so tomorrow, and is that the only day of the week that we're working this week? Just Okay. So we have a work day tomorrow. And then if you're available on Saturday and can come help us, uh, there's lots of things that can be done that don't require you to be uh a construction genius um just if you're handy if you can push a broom if you can help in and just for a couple of time a couple of hours we're there from 10 until 1 and we'll feed you lunch so at the very least we're not feeding them lunch not on saturday <laughs> so bring a lunch i feel like this is like a, a Jerry Lewis and this what's the other guy i don't, I don't remember dean martin yeah um all right We've, got, uh, we, we've been blessed as a church uh, to have some of the most amazing people on the planet be a part of our church family, and uh, probably one of the most amazing guys that I have met uh, and beautiful guys that I have ever met, uh, Jason Sophia. Oh, yes. Buddy, can you come up here? It's so funny that every Sunday nearly when their family comes in, he'll be holding Kayla in his arms, and I'll walk up to her and try to give her a hug, and I'll say, Good morning, beautiful. And Jason will always say, Thank you. Well, my wife a couple of Right, and I'm there for you, man. Um, Jason and, and Rachel and the Sophias are moving to North Carolina, South Carolina even farther away. Good gravy. It just keeps getting worse. It's like literally 45 minutes farther. Okay, yeah. thanks. Um, but they are uh, to have sold their house, and today is Jason's last Sunday. And uh, Rachel and the kids will be with us through the end of the school year. Uh, and then in the, uh, June, they'll be moving down to be with Jason. But he's heading down there. He's got a job mm-hmm. and getting them settled. And, yeah, praise the Lord for that. Um, but we would just like to ask for you guys to just extend your hands. We want to pray a prayer of blessing over Jason, and um, yeah. Thank you, Father. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Jason and Rachel and Jackson and Kayla. We thank you for the blessing that they have been to our church, for the life that they have brought to our church, the smiles, the fun. We thank you for their faithfulness, for their willingness to serve in any capacity that we ask them to. Jason has helped with Hullabaloo and Apple Fest and LifeQuest Kids. and He was a a force to be reckoned with on our softball team. Father, we're just so grateful. And uh, Lord, as as hard as it is to say goodbye, Lord, we're so excited to see what you have for Jason and Rachel and Jax and Kayla. And Lord, we pray that you would protect them, that you would bless them, that you would provide for them. And as we send them off, Lord, it's not goodbye. But Father, we're just, we'll are just we see you later. And uh, Lord, we just pray your blessing over them. Pray that you would provide uh, safe travel and, uh, again, everything that they need in South Carolina. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, buddy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right? It was. One last one. This morning we're going to continue in our message series called Outcasts. And over the last few weeks, we have been looking at people in the book of Luke that were friends of Jesus, but who maybe weren't friends of anybody else. These were the people that know what he wanted. And so the first week we talked about the prodigal son and the things that were lost. Jesus told some parables about a lost sheep and some lost coins and then a lost son. And then last week Pastor Jamie talked about Zacchaeus. And he was an outcast. He was someone that no one wanted to be around. He was the first leprechaun. He was a wee little man. And and no one wanted, to be, you know, a leprechaun, you want to be around, right? You want to find him, find his pot of gold. But uh, the pot of gold that Zacchaeus had was one that he stole from his neighbors and his friends and, and the people in his community. He was not the guy that anyone wanted to be around. This morning, we're going to look at another outcast, someone that um, nobody wanted to be friends with. No one wanted to spend time with. This is not a person that you invited over for dinner. It was not a person that you thought, hey, I need someone to watch the kids. Let's ask this person. Um, So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to uh, turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be reading verses 36 through 50. And so whether that's in your paper paper Bible or in your app on your phone or your tablet, uh, Luke chapter 7. You know, it's interesting. There, There have been times in my life where I felt like my past and my failures have disqualified me from being a success, whether that's a success in my present or looking down the road to being a success in my future. And, and that the past, my mistakes, my failures, they were things that, that it seemed like they were crippling for me to be able to move forward. And, and I, I remember specifically one time we we were youth pastors in Ohio and we had had this amazing opportunity. Our youth group was growing like crazy and uh, we were trying to figure out how do we fit them all in and how do we continue to reach our community. And there was a gentleman from our church who owned this giant warehouse and it was like a hundred feet by by fifty feet. I, it was it was this just really big building, twenty foot high ceilings, and it had had been a machine shop at one point. And the whole building was vacant. And it was in the next town over from our church. And I was talking with the church on at church one Sunday, and I said, "What are you doing with that building? Would it be possible for us?" to to use that space to do something with our youth ministry, and he was like, yeah, absolutely. I will give you a great deal, and um, so we ended up uh, getting uh, nearly half of that building, and it was this massive space that we turned into what was we called the extreme youth center, and it had a full uh, full concert. Uh, sound system and stage area there was a guy from our church that had (coughs) excuse me (coughs) excuse me yeah he had been uh, he'd had a business that was going under that had video projection systems and arcade games and restaurant booths and all of this stuff it was like a a teenage version of Chuck E. Cheese and um, in Columbus, Ohio, we had Dave & Buster's on the west side of town and then Steven Spielberg's DreamWorks Adult Arcade, and it just killed my friend's business. It was just not going to do it. Um, but we were able to buy all of that stuff for pennies on the dollar. And we had this amazing youth center that we ran for about three years. And we, saw, we, we had um, Sanctus Real. Uh, When they were just a youth group band from Ohio, they came and played at my youth center. Uh, Another band that doesn't exist anymore, a band called Three Crosses, they came and played. Uh, They were really good. I I really enjoyed them. We had uh, huge youth events. We we did dramas. We did all kinds of stuff. Uh, The staging was made up of four by eight platforms that were two feet tall, but you could pick them up and move them around so we could reconfigure the stage however we wanted um, and it, because it was a warehouse, that was huge overhead doors so we could open it up to the outside and we actually could take those, those giant two by eight platform pieces and turn them on their side, created a, a roller skating rink in the inside. We did all kinds of amazing stuff. And then the guy from our church who we rented from, um, that it wasn't inexpensive, but he, he gave us a deal, um, left the church. And then, you know, one of the things that was kind of helpful to this whole deal was we're renting from this guy from our church, but then his tithe was coming back to our church. So it didn't hurt as bad that the rent was what it was. And then he left the church uh, and stopped tithing to our church, which then made this a very expensive thing to do. And then we were uh, trying to do everything that we could. We were reaching the kids in the community. We were... Pastor Jamie talked about some of the kids that we were reaching last week, uh, and we finally got to a point where our church decided, you know, this is getting really, really expensive, and so we have to we have to pull the plug, we have to shut the youth center down. And I was devastated. Um, we had literally poured our blood, sweat, and tears into this project that was a ministry that that we had seen God do amazing things in kids' lives. And uh, so imagine this giant, huge space that we uh, painted every square inch of it black and purple and green and um, 21-foot-high ceilings all the way around. And uh, we had, yeah, it was was huge. And then when we pulled the plug and decided it was time that we had to close it down, the guy who owned the building, who was my friend, said, oh, yeah, and by the way, you have to put it back to the way you f- that I rented it to you originally. You can leave all the bathrooms and all the things that you built, but the whole arcade wall that we had built, this whole, it was like a corner that was a, a, a wall with holes in it that TVs set in so that you could play Xbox or whatever, all that had to come out. The whole cafe had to come out. All the booths had to come out. And then we had to spray paint it all back to white. Now, I don't know about you, have you ever painted over black? Uh, And so I'm feeling like it's complete failure as we're ripping out all of this stuff that over the last three years we had seen just God do so many cool things. And I'm with my senior pastor, and he and I are on a a, a scaffold because you have to get all the way up to spray paint up into the rafters to make the black not black anymore. And I was terrified. I was terrified that this failure was going to be the nail in my coffin, and I was done. And, and so in a moment of vulnerability, I asked my pastor, um, am I going to get fired for this? Is this going to disqualify me from being able to continue being your youth pastor? Because this is a really expensive failure, And I'll never forget what Pastor Dave said to me as we're standing there at nearly 11 o'clock at night and we'd been there all day spray painting and removing. He said, Rob, I'm not going to fire you. I just spent $60,000 training you. This failure is not disqualifying to you. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you have things in your life that you feel like they, those failures, those mistakes define you or maybe disqualify you from being able to be who God wants you to be. You know, there's so many times I talk to people and I invite them to LifeQuest and they say, no, I can't come to your church. You know, if I, you you heard the, the people say, if I walked into your church, the walls would fall in, right? You've heard people say that, that's I don't know if that has ever happened. Like where they get that from. Like, you know, yeah, but Samson, he brought the house down. It wasn't um, that, but that thought that if I walk in the doors, your church will collapse because I am whatever I am. And the enemy would lie to me and I would hear him say, you don't have what it takes or you failed so badly that there's no no coming back from this. Or you're so damaged that he can't use you. And I imagine that there's probably some folks around here that, that maybe you felt like your failures have disqualified you too. But here's the thing that I want you to hear this morning. This is, if you get anything out of what we're talking about, out of this passage of scripture, I want you to get this. That it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus still has a plan for your life. It doesn't matter what you've done. He still has a plan for your life. And you matter. This passage in Luke chapter 7, we're going to read it in just a second, teaches us that that no one is beyond redemption. Uh, My kids and I, we have been uh, binging on Survivor, um, which is... You know, one of those dumb shows on TV. And um, I I use the excuse that I'm getting ready for the fifth grade picnic that's coming in June. It always has a survivor theme uh, at Terry Taylor Elementary School. Uh, But really, we're just sucked in. Um, But the last two seasons that we've watched, there was this thing called Redemption Island, right? That if you got voted out of Survivor, you got to go to Redemption Island. There was this second chance. That, that you got to get to, uh, and you were still in the game. But I think sometimes for us in life, we look at our mistakes, we look at our failures, we look at you know, who, we, who the enemy says we are, and we say, there's no redemption for me. There's no coming back from this. But he has a plan for all of our lives. Even, even those of us who have messed our lives up, Here's the thing, you don't have to be perfect. It's not your job to be perfect, it's his job to be perfect. And he invites us to the table anyway. Right, so two weeks ago, when we talked about the that first passage in this outcast series, we looked at the Pharisees were so mad at Jesus because he was going out to dinner with sinners and tax collectors and people who were on the wrong side of the track, right? And then last week we looked at Jesus has this encounter with Zacchaeus where, again, he's invited to this guy who is a, a, a we don't, you know, he works for the IRS. Um, nobody likes this guy. This is the guy who's ripping everybody off. And I don't, if there's anyone here that works for the IRS, I apologize. Um, but the in in first century Israel the tax collector was a bad guy and so now Jesus is eating with this guy now in in this passage in in Luke chapter 7 Jesus is kind of turning things around because now he's having dinner with a Pharisee and so now he's having dinner at the house of a guy who is in right if we're talking about outcasts in is, in Israel's religious culture there are people who are in and people who are out. And now Jesus is having dinner at this guy Simon's house. And Simon is in. He's one of the guys who, who according to all the rules, this guy is a guy who's, who's got it figured out. So let's read what happens. So one of the Pharisees, this is verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Here's the thing that I love. Jesus doesn't care who invites him to dinner, right? He invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Um, He he is out having dinner with the the people in the, the first part of this series that he's eating with people who are tax collectors and sinners. And now a Pharisee has invited him. And so Jesus is saying, look, it doesn't matter who you are. I will hang out with you. I will have dinner with you. You don't have to be perfect for me to hang out with you. I love this, that, that he would eat with a Pharisee or a tax collector. And, and you look in Luke chapter 5 and Mark chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 9. Uh, and last week he invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. And and somehow this guy is not as hostile, this Pharisee is not as hostile as the other religious leaders because he's inviting Jesus in. And and I don't think that it's any sinister motivation on the Pharisee's part. I think he's just curious until something happens. Here's what happens. Verse 37, it says, When he came to his home, he sat down to eat, and then uh, a certain immoral woman, from that city, heard that he was eating there. And she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And we don't know who this woman is. But she heard that Jesus was having dinner at Simon's house. And so she got something that was valuable. And, and so what we'll look at in, in a second is there's something that has happened in this woman's life Uh, But before we talk about what has happened in this woman's life, we need to talk about who this woman is. Because she's that woman. She's the woman that everyone in town knows about. She's the lady who has slept with her husband and her husband and her husband. This is that lady. This is the lady that according to biblical law, probably three or four affairs ago, She should have been taken outside of the village and stoned to death. She's the woman that no one wants in their house. She's the woman that no one is going to call and say, hey, maybe she could watch our kids so that we can go out. She is not that woman. She's that woman. And she walks in with this jar of perfume that is so incredibly valuable. So let's see what happens. Verse 38. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. So, you've got to imagine... It's difficult for us because we say invite someone over for dinner and we all sit around tables like this and sit in chairs and our feet go under the table, right? And so you hear this story of of this woman coming to a dinner and in your brain you're kind of like, well, she's on the floor under the table and she's crying on his feet. Like, that's weird, right? But in first century... Israel, the way that they would eat is they, they didn't sit in chairs. They sat on the floor on pillows and on mats, and their tables were really short. And so you would sit at the table, usually on your left side, and forgive me if people in the back, but they would sit on their side like this with their feet behind them, and the table would be over here, and they would rest on a pillow, and they would reach in with their right hand because your left hand is what you did bad things with. And you didn 't eat with your left hand um, well bad dirty things um, not bad things, just unsanitary things was your left hand you didn 't eat with your left hand sorry left handed people um, I know, but as she 's sitting at the ta- as he 's sitting at the table. They're having there's conversation at the table. He's talking to the Pharisees, talking to the Pharisees' guests, and and while he's having this conversation, he's eating hummus and he's eating you know I don't know falafel or whatever it is that they're eating uh, Ezekiel bread right because uh, that's what that's what Jesus ate. Um, this woman comes in from behind, and so there's this, this curious custom that happened uh, back then that if you were having a dinner, there would be the guests that were invited, and then there were the people that were allowed to come in, but they weren't welcome at the table. And, and, and some people actually use these encounters to talk business, uh, to ask questions, to just see how things were going, and it was not uncommon for people to come and sit around the peripheral and and have conversation with people who were invited to the table. And so this woman comes in the door and no one stops her. No one says you can't come in. No one says you're not allowed in here. She's allowed in. And she's allowed on the edges. And as she's sitting there, Jesus' feet are out behind him. Um, she begins to weep. And she's crying so hard that as she's crying, her tears are falling on his feet. And and then all of a sudden, you've got to imagine the the horror, the embarrassment for her, that she's trying not to make a scene. But she's also recognized that this man, Jesus, has done something so life-altering, so life-changing. Something has happened, an encounter has happened between her and Jesus before this dinner, that has changed everything for her. And so now she's brought this gift, this jar of, of expensive perfume that she wants to honor him with. But before she can do it, she just starts to weep and sob. And as her tears are falling on her feet, she's like, oh no, that, what do I do now? And so she undoes her hair and begins to wipe his feet with her hair. And it's interesting that this happens to Jesus multiple times by multiple different women um, throughout the Gospels. Some people say that this, because something similar to this happens with Lazarus's sister Mary of Bethany, um, but it's a completely different situation. These are not the same. Uh, a similar thing has happened with uh, Mary Magdalene and Jesus, but again, uh, this is not Mary Magdalene. We don't know who this woman is. Um, because Mary Magdalene actually gets introduced into the story in chapter 8. And so if this were Mary Magdalene, Luke would have said, this is Mary Magdalene. Um, He wouldn't have said, a woman. She begins to wipe his feet with her hair as she's pouring this perfume onto his feet. And then in addition to all of that, she's kissing his feet among Jews, it was a shameful thing for a woman to let down her hair in public. But she takes this as a, as a sacrifice as she's, she's worshiping and, and just pouring out her love to Jesus. And then we get to verse 39. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, He said to himself, not out loud, like you've ever been in a situation where someone does something or someone says something, and you're like, oh, great, right? They had to do that, or that guy had to show up, right? Like this morning when I saw Mike come down the the ramp, I'm like, oh, that guy. (laughs) Just kidding. It's good to see you, buddy. Just, Just being honest. No, just kidding. He doesn't say it out loud. He's thinking it in his head. And, he, and he, he thinks this. He says, if that man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. So he's got this, this contempt in his heart towards Jesus, right? Because he's invited this guy into his home that he thinks is a prophet. And Jesus is going out and he's doing all these amazing things. And people are saying not just that he is a prophet, but that he is the prophet. He's the one that that has been foretold. And so Simon is like, I want this guy to come to my house. Maybe he'll do something here at my house that will either elevate my social status or my position in the religious. You know, if God does a miracle in my house while he's here... That maybe something good is going to happen. And then this, this prostitute, this woman uh, uh, who has a horrible reputation, who is known to be an adulterous, immoral woman, comes into his house. And if this guy really were a prophet, he would know. So obviously he's not. He's not who he says he is. If he was, he would never allow this woman who is unclean to touch his feet. And I love what Jesus does. Because Jesus knows exactly who she is. He knows exactly what she's done. And in addition to that, he knows what Simon's thinking. Right? That's the scary part. Sometimes, right? Because, you know, we, we do things... And and you know we have the benefit of uh, you are not a mind reader and you don't know what I'm thinking and so I can smile and shake your hand and say how good it is to see you and in the back of my mind I'm thinking ah uh, yeah uh, oh it's Mike <laughs> sorry <laughs> but Jesus no I'm, I love you good grief. Thank you for being willing to be my punching bag today. Jesus answers his thoughts in verse 40. He says, Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I've got something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Jesus answers his thoughts and his doubts. And he shows that he already knows exactly who this woman is by telling this story. He says in verse 41, then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. Verse 42, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? You know, it's interesting. The, the piece of silver that he's talking about here is the equivalent to an entire day's worth of wages so one guy owes 500 pieces of silver that's more than a year and a half's worth of pay that he has borrowed the other guy has borrowed 50 days worth of pay so one guy owes a month and a half of back pay one guy owes a year and a half of back pay and the guy who's doing the lending says you know what i'm just going to forgive them both Which one do you suppose loved him more after that? And that really is the point of this story. Simon answered in verse 33. He says, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. It was custom that when you went to someone's home, you would take your sandals off, you would take your shoes off, right? You go to somebody's house and you ask, "Do you want me to leave my shoes on? Do you want me to take my shoes off?" right? And and we've shared this illustration again it's another one of those gross illustrations that people wore sandals they didn't wear closed toed shoes they wore leather flip-flops or something that had some kind of a tie to it but mostly it was an open thing and you walked out on the street and on the street was also where there were donkeys and camels and all kinds of things and and people right there was no uh, sewer system so people, if you ever watch an old Monty Python movie where they're filling out the bucket of waste and just throwing it out the window, out into the street, right? That's, that was the sidewalk. So you're not just walking in donkey mess, uh, but you're walking in human mess. And cam- have you ever seen camel mess? It's large. So when you went to someone's house, the first thing that happened to you if you were a good host, is you had someone who took care of washing people's feet so that they weren't sitting at your table with, with mess. Simon didn't do that. The other thing, the verse 45, he says, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time, from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. She's doing something that Simon should have done. She's serving in a capacity that Simon should have accounted for and didn't. But by all the outside perspective she is the least qualified person to be doing this she's a woman she's unclean she has the the reputation of being the wrong kind of woman let alone being a woman and she's willing not only to to worship at his feet but then wipe his wipe the tears off of her feet and then the the costly uh ointment the 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 oil that she pours out to her feet unto Jesus. Jesus says this in verse 47. He says, I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little also shows only a little love. Her expression of love is an illustration. It's, it's proof that she has been forgiven. It's not the reason for her forgiveness. She's not forgiven because she has done these things. She's doing these things because she has had an encounter with Jesus. And his forgiveness has caused her to express her love for him in a way that is, is powerful and beautiful. And Here's the thing. This is interesting. I, I don't know about you. I can't imagine... Um, being, Have you ever been somewhere, like that? there was that video that just came out um, last week of the guy who is some consultant and um, he's on like CNN or something and his little kid came into the room while he's on like worldwide television and is like, daddy, 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 shut up, I'm on TV, shut up, I'm on TV. Um, I can't imagine being at this dinner leaning at the table, and this woman comes in and she begins to cry and, and weep over his feet, wipe his feet with her hair, and, and then pour perfume on his smelly, stinky feet as an act of worship and as an act of love. And all this time this has been happening, and Jesus has not once looked at her until now. And he, he turns to her, still doesn't say anything to her. He turns to her, but he's talking to Simon and saying, Simon, you're making a judgment about who this woman is and what her value is. And then he turns to her and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now what's beautiful about that is that in the, in the original Greek language, the, the idea of your sins are forgiven does not have the the present tense to say, now because you have prayed and, and, and you've cried and you've anointed my feet with oil, now your sins are forgiven. But it has the tense that your sins were already forgiven. From whatever happened before, I have already forgiven you your sin. And now I want to remind you, beautiful woman, that your sins remain forgiven. Regardless of what Simon says, or what Simon thinks about you, or what anyone thinks about you, your sins remain forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? Because in Luke chapter 5, Jesus has already been accused of blasphemy. For saying that he has the ability to forgive sins. And and again, he can read their inmost thoughts. He knows what they're thinking. Maybe at this point they're kind of blabbing around the table. Who is this guy? And the Pharisee is shocked at her behavior. But Jesus explains she's willing to act that way. She's willing to do this outrageous act. Because her life has been completely transformed. That some encounter that she has had with where Jesus has completely turned her life around and she's willing to express her love for him in a way that, that very few would. And he uses her as an illustration to show the Pharisee and the other people at the table that, that she is what the gospel can do to a person's life. This story of redemption, this story of rescue, this story of... of of complete transformation is what the gospel is all about. She's a billboard for the gospel. She's a living infomercial of the power of Christ's transformation and forgiveness. But, you know, we look at broken things and, and broken people, and we say they can't do anything for God. They can't do anything for the kingdom. Look at what a mess they are. And Jesus says, no, I don't see that brokenness. I see, I see someone who, who I love, who I died for, who I'm, I can see their potential and what I can do in and through them. I, anybody ever heard of Stradivarius? Anybody know who Stradivarius, what a Stradivarius is? What's a Stradivarius? It's a violin, right? Uh, so there was this guy. Uh, his name was uh, Antonio Stradivari. And he was this master craftsman who made violins that are just, like, they are the standard. They are they're the, the best violins in the world. And one of the greatest ambitions of a violinist is to be able to have the opportunity to play a Stradivarius violin. Um, and so... Um, they are they're very rare. Um, they produce unrivaled sound, and so there was a, a guy in 1981. He was a, a British violinist. His name was Peter Cropper, and the London Royal Academy of Music gave um, gave Peter the opportunity to play a 258-year-old Stradivarius violin, and so he's excited, and he's walking out on stage. And as he's walking out on stage, he's so focused on the violin that he trips and falls and snaps the neck off of this Stradivarius violin. Right? It's unimaginable. You can't even imagine how Peter Cropper felt at that moment. A priceless masterpiece destroyed by his carelessness. And he was in weeping. You can't begin to imagine. And he took the violin to a master craftsman in the vain hope that he might be able to repair it. And he did. He was able to restore the, the, the violin actually so perfect, the, the repair was so perfect, that the break was undetectable and the sound was completely unchanged. That's amazing. And they were, the Academy of Music, the Royal Academy of Music was so gracious, they actually, you would think that after he broke a 258 irreplaceable thing, that it would be like, yeah, you know what, you get the one from Dory's Music Store. (laughs) Right? You no longer get the Stradivarius. They actually uh, allowed him to continue to use the Stradivarius. And so night after night, as he drew his bow across the string, Peter was reminded of the fact that he once thought that, that the, the violin that he once thought was irreparably damaged had been fully restored by the hand of a master craftsman. Next time that you might be tempted to ask or say to yourself, I have failed so badly that I can't, or I am so broken. I can't. I want to ask you to think a different question. How does Jesus see you? Does he see you as broken and useless? Or does he see you as his priceless masterpiece? I want to ask you a different question. The next time you're tempted to look at somebody else and say they're broken They're useless. They have no value. I want you to ask yourself the question, how does Jesus see them? Right? Right? Because we want him to look at us with grace and mercy. But then we look at someone else and we're like, yep, judgment, fire, destruction, disqualified. Right? Jesus looked at the outcasts and he said, you are. You are mine. Imagine what would happen in our community if all of us began to see people the way Jesus sees us. We all have our unique flaws. We all have those things in our lives that are broken. But He, like He says in the video that we play every single Sunday, we are all broken people. But He... Is putting us back together. I said this at the beginning of the message. It does not matter what you've done. Jesus still has a plan for your life. You matter. And whether you are able to do something amazing and huge for the kingdom of God or you can do something small for the kingdom of God, this woman's story says that every single one of us has an opportunity to serve And to show his glory. You are not too broken. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love the outcasts. Father, there's a bunch of us sitting here in this room. We are the outcasts. Father, I pray that you would help us. Father, if we are like that woman that we have, we have blown it, we have sinned, we have failed. Father, I pray that you would help us to invite you in. Because you'll eat dinner with any of us. We don't have to be perfect. We just simply have to invite and ask. Your word says that if we will believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouths that we will be saved. Father, I pray that first we would do that. And then, Father, in addition to that, that we would look at other people the way you look at them. That we would see them with your eyes. And that we would love the outcasts the way you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings. Pray that you guys have an awesome week next Sunday, membership class. And uh, thank you for your your graciousness and allowing us to shift the schedule a little bit. Um, we have a work day tomorrow at the gate if you're available during the day. We also have a work day this coming Saturday from 10 to 1. Pack a lunch because Pastor Jamie's not buying you lunch. Um, just kidding. Yeah, there's apples uh, on both of the back tables. Take some apples home. Blessings. Have a great week.